Listen in to find out your biggest marketing opportunities to help your pharmacy stand out from the crowd. I interview the host of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, Tim Reid. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours and we're into episode 34. This week we are going to be spoilt rotten. Our special guest this week is Tim Reid from the Small Business Big Marketing Show. That's right, another podcast show, but one of my favourites. And Tim, for those who already didn't know that, was the inspiration behind me starting my show. So it certainly puts me in a position of interviewing one of, obviously, my uh, heroes in the podcasting space. I suggest you get your pen and paper at the ready and... uh, or perhaps, as I might suggest, your Evernote notebook to capture the gold nuggets that we uncover today. But more on that a little bit later on. But I just also wanted to let you know, I've updated my website at robertstar.com a little bit as well, so that a lot of listeners have been telling me what's the best way of getting notified of every episode. And of course, you can subscribe at iTunes and it comes straight into your feed and your phone will download it straight away. But not everyone is on iTunes. Some people are on SoundCloud, but of course, SoundCloud doesn't give you those notifications. So what you can do, if you go to robertstar.com and on the front page there as well, if you give me your name and email address, you'll get an email as soon as every episode comes out. And plus, to kickstart your transformation journey, you can instantly download the first two chapters of transformation. I know you're going to love it. Also, just a follow-up from last week's episode as well, when we were talking to Luke from MPS about dose administration aids and how we can future-proof our businesses for the growing amount of the aging population of baby boomers that are going to be wanting more DAAs or medication management services from us. So there was actually a warning that came out from the Pharmacy Board of Australia that reported that a number of pharmacies have been outsourcing their checking to I guess, trained students or interns or even worse, dispensary assistants, but not being checked by the pharmacist. And I think that underlines the point of last week's episode, that we just need to become more operationally efficient in that workflow around our aged care, and particularly also the community DAAs as well, that that workflow can be done outside of our pharmacies or through automation in our pharmacies. We spoke to Jared Stevens early in the year about some of the great innovations that Webster Care have done to make your Webster Care process a lot more efficient as well. And it's not to say that that's any different from the outsourced model of the MPS as well. It just depends what's the fit for your pharmacy as well. There's some great products from both of them, and I know that you'll find between all of them the right fit for your pharmacy. It's important though that once we've actually been able to achieve that, 
that we're actually then minimizing the amount of time that we need to spend on manual efforts. So that would be your pharmacist checking. And of course, you're going to have to do that. But having that streamlined workflow, whichever product you select for your pharmacy will be the determining factor as to how much time you've saved so that that pharmacist is not under pressure to do everything for everyone and certainly has enough time to check all of those DAAs. Also, I wanted to follow up again from last week. So last week was the first insight that I shared with you, everyone, from my recent visits to both Sydney and Melbourne to some pharmacies to go through the Pharmacy Freedom Index and to review the results that are coming out. And I'm starting to see some themes that I think everyone could benefit from, whether you're in Australia or even one of our overseas countries as well. So this week's insight that I'm going to talk about, and it's going to be quite relevant because we're actually going to talk about websites a little bit in our interview today. Um, but one of the things is that we're not updating or we don't have a website um, and we're not communicating with our customers every 90 days. And why is that important? And that's what I wanted to cover off as an insight for you today because a lot of pharmacies got a lot of value of really finding out of what has really changed around the world at the moment and why it's so important to get a great listing or being able to be found either in social media or on Google. So everyone knows how big Google is and it's the first method of search for everyone now. Anyone who's still paying good money to yellow pages I dare say you need to be giving that away because everyone's turning to Google and that'll help you to be found. And you can set up a free Google Plus local uh, listing which will give the broad spectrum of what you offer, your opening hours and your service listings so that you can be found on Google as well. And this is before you have a website. But for pharmacies that don't have a website or have one, it's so important that when you do that, that people don't look at it as a stagnant and never changing environment. If you think about your physical pharmacy, you would never leave your gondola ends looking the same for more than two weeks. You would never leave the same posters in your front window. You would never focus on the same health conditions all the time that would always change and the digital environment needs to marry up with that so that you do have what I like to call a hybrid model of your pharmacy so that no matter which method your patients choose to find you whether they walk through the store door into your pharmacy or whether they pull out their smartphone and find you on Google that the experience is always the same and very consistent. And also think of ways that you can improve your customer service that you couldn't do without leveraging technology, without websites or social media. Great examples with the YouSave Chemist Group, which we spoke to Simon Herford, their director, a few episodes ago. And really being able to deliver follow-up information, maybe videos or some engaging content that's specific to that patient, or even having frequently asked questions on your website as well, so that you don't have people ringing you up and asking you the same questions over and over again. And that should give you basically your listing of frequently asked questions. You just think about what do I always keep getting asked about? And if there's a specific health condition, it could be a great opportunity to produce some content and showcase that on your website and it also makes that decision process from a patient's point of view much easier as to what do you offer how are you different what makes you stand out from the crowd and that's what we're going to be going through a lot today in our interview but also it might be online ordering of retail items or prescriptions booking appointments if you're hosting events Use the plugin from a free service like Eventbrite and put that on your website and have your patients and your community being able to book in from your website. So 
I hope you're understanding why that's important. And I know a lot of pharmacies that I've spoken to, and probably 90% of them now, very close, aren't don't either have a website or they're not updating it regularly. And I hope that it makes you understand why that's so important. But for those who haven't done the free, Pharmacy Freedom Index, it only takes you seven minutes, guys. You find your biggest opportunities in being an operationally efficient pharmacy, a patient-centric pharmacy, and also how well you leverage technology in your business. You'll find that out in seven minutes. And if you want to take, have an action-packed 90-minute session, which I've been having over the last few weeks, and it's been a real pleasure to do that and to find with pharmacy owners and map out their, how they're gonna tackle those biggest opportunities. Just hit the book in for a consult button after you've done the test, and I look forward to visiting you and helping you maximize the success in your pharmacy. There's also a great opportunity there where we've got um, a number of our listeners who are going back to episode two. And episode two has been around paperless conferences. So I'd love to just get in early and ask for your feedback well ahead of APP 2015. And you can already book in and register for APP 2015. I highly recommend it. And certainly I will be there for the entire conference as well. But I'm actually planning on having a webinar at this stage of how you can have your paperless conference. We introduced some ideas at the beginning of this year. I know a lot of you got some great value from that, but I really want to give you a nice model that you're able to do that. So please give me your feedback, any questions or any suggestions for that webinar well and truly ahead. And I'd love to know what you're thinking, particularly given that I've seen a lot of listeners go back and listen to that of recent times. Just before we get over to Timbo, and I know he's itching to get going, is uh, we've got our listener feedback for this week. And uh, one of my favourites is Mick up in Thursday Island. And uh, I, know, I know that I got a bit of a laugh out of this, and he certainly called me on it that uh, I'm starting to sound like a robot um, now that I'm encouraging everyone to listen to me at double speed using something like Swift Player, which I recommended a few weeks ago. You can also do that through the podcast app on iPhone now as well um, and it's, it's just a great productivity saver but I can't imagine what I'd sound like at two times and also Mick you might also be interested that I believe from the studies that I've seen that you can even listen up to three times once you get really good at it so I can't wait to hear what I sound like at that stage but um, also I just wanted to share with you an app that I came across this week as well um, so for those of us who also like to read but they want to read quicker I know that it's been some great courses over the years of how we can learn how to speed read, but this one's absolutely brilliant and it leverages technology, which of course I'll be all across. And it's called Spritz and uh, the website is spritzinc.com and I'll put the link in the show notes for you to have a look and I'm testing it out at the moment, but effectively you can put any piece of digital content, be it an article, emails or whatever, and you can read at 1,000 words per minute. Uh, that's not a typo, that's 1,000 words per minute and it's actually being released as an app for smartwatches as well samsung and apple watch will also do that and who would have thought we'd be reading by looking at a watch but it, it really leverages the concept of actually not having to read left to right but just focus on one spot and it's amazing um, even when you put it up to a thousand words a minute you can actually read very well and comprehend it so that's the great thing i'll be testing that so i'd love to know if you find it useful or what you're actually doing with it and again it just underlines 
of how we can get more stuff done with less time. Our interview today is with Tim Reid. He's the host of Australia's number one marketing show, The Small Business Big Marketing Show, which is into its 200th nine episode. He's also the co-host of Freedom Ocean, but he's also Australia's most practical, entertaining and motivating marketing keynote speaker. Tim Reid, welcome to The Transformation Show. Robert, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. I, I know it's probably putting you in a little awkward position because you're usually in my position of interviewing. And I, look, I know our listeners are going to be so spoilt today. And uh, certainly over now 209 episodes of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, you've uncovered gold in every corner of every business around Australia. So I think we're going to spoil our pharmacists and hopefully bring some insights into uh, their pharmacies and quash that myth that marketing can't be... Um, obviously achieved in their business, but it is low cost and it doesn't take them a lot of time. Love it, mate. You covered a lot of ground just in that paragraph. <laughs> uh, cheers, <laughs> mate. Um, so why do you believe that embracing technology creates an advantage for even a small business owner, let alone a pharmacy owner, and pharmacy owners are small business owners, um, when marketing their 21st century business? Uh, Robert, I mean, look at what you're doing, mate. You, you, you know, you've got your own show. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Like that, that, that in itself amazes me. Whether you're a pharmacist or whatever business that you own, technology has leveled the marketing playing field. It's, you know, like I grew up in a big advertising agency, you know, 10 years where, um, you know, making ads and corporate videos and whatever was an expensive business. I saw what things cost. And now, for us, small business owners, to be able to create essentially marketing. I mean, your show is marketing your business and you're not creating art. It's not, and it's not costing you a fortune. So whether the pharmacists who are listening are thinking, okay, 21st century business, um, technology is now at my disposal. Whether you're thinking about video marketing, podcasting, having a forum, publishing a book, mate, it, it's we're talking hundreds of dollars not tens of thousands of dollars yeah. and i just think that's incredibly exciting because and and you you may well be i look at the itunes ladder uh, where podcasts where you know it's the, the podcast the biggest podcast directory in the world and i see my show above harvard business school the australian stock exchange apple yeah and it's like these are big brands with deep pockets and yet here's little old me punching out a weekly show and and ranking above them, and anyone can do that. Oh, look, I don't think they're anywhere near as humorous, Timbo, and certainly ah! in interjecting the entertainment factor, I think, is a big big reason for that. Well, you make a point there. <laughs> that's, let's focus on that because that's really important. I just said anyone can do it, and, yeah, anyone can get a podcast up. Anyone could embark on a video marketing strategy. Any pharmacist could do any type of marketing the magic is not in getting the podcast up or the video up. The magic is in what you say in that podcast or in that video. And it's about, it's about using, uh, it's about honoring who you are, being yourself, being clear on the personality of your brand, and then just sharing your knowledge. You know, uh, I, I see too many small business owners and pharmacies would be included in this where the minute they, they hit the marketing button the minute they think it's time to market my business. They adopt a formal kind of voice or tonality and it's like, get over it. Be yourself. People buy from people. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, I love your concept of being a helpful business. And, um, you know, again, I, I just think that in the times where pharmacies are experiencing rising operating costs, you know, the costs have never been higher, the revenues are plummeting, we just need to be discovering our purpose in our community. And, you know, I talk about a lot on this show that we just need to become greater listeners and better problem solvers. And by becoming more operationally efficient in the back end of our business, we really give ourselves the opportunity to have those conversations with our patients but as, as hey Rob, yeah I, would i be right in saying a pharmacies pharmacists generally would be complacent in their position within the with their position within the community and therefore undervalue the power of marketing Look, I certainly think so, and I know that you talk a lot about the marketing as that conversation that you have with people when you can't physically talk to them. But look, I think I think at the moment what we're seeing is that you know pharmacies fall into a number of different buckets. They may have maybe banner group pharmacies where you know a group is doing all of their marketing for them, so it's very generic. It's the same in every single state and suburb and territory. So catalogs and bags and brand identity, but in terms of what that marketing and what the message is for their individual community there are always some great stories but i think on the large it doesn't get taken seriously enough Mm. Yep, interesting. Well, the smart ones are listening to your show. <laughs> oh, I certainly, I certainly hope so. But look, we get some great questions, as, I, as I'm sure I'm sure we'll get after this show too. And Tim, I wanted to mention because look, I think probably the group that do it really well in our country, and I will be probably being a bit controversial in saying this because of the place that they've decided to put their tent and pitch their flag, and that's the Chemist Warehouse Group. But they've got a clear brand strategy. They've got a low-price strategy that every Australian's aware of. They're compliant in every store. And it has baffled a lot of community pharmacies, and they really don't know how to respond to that. And often they'll just, you know, knee-jerk, put up a discount price on their pharmacy or start selling discount fragrances. But, you know, what what can they do to really, I guess, start that journey of re- re- rediscovering their place in the community and really what the what helpful content they could be giving to their patients? And how can they be doing that, you know, easily, cheaply and obviously every week? I've put you on the spot there. <laughs> Well, there's just three very big questions there, Robert, and uh, clearly this interview goes for what five hours? Uh, well, we've got we've got about half an hour, I reckon. So we'll <laughs> we'll we'll punch out the best of them. Well, let's go back to the start of your point, Chemist Warehouse. So I was the market used to be the marketing manager at Flight Centre. So Chemist Warehouse is sort of the Flight Centre of pharmacy, in a sense. Well, they are. They're the discount store. They're the yeah. discount brand. Yep. And I think, and I reckon pharmacists would know this anyway, but it's it's expensive to be the cheapest, Number point number one. It's really expensive. You know, Flight Centre, you know, my, my advertising budget alone at Flight Centre in order to remind people that we were the cheapest was quite significant, right? Yeah. And, and I'm guessing chemists, Chemist Warehouse's advertising budget would also be quite significant, Um I see them around a lot. Well, it's, nev- um, it's never been as high as it is now. You can't go to a football game. You can't correct. listen to a radio station without being bombarded. Correct. So there's that. Um, and again, just reminding your audience, they already know this, but discounting is a dead-end street. So, and I wonder too, because I use Chemist Warehouse. That's my 
my, it's my choice of, of chemist when I need to go to the chemist. But I'm wondering more and more whether they really are the cheapest. I don't get a lot of prescriptions, but I buy, you know, whether it be shaving stuff or toothbrushes or whatever it is, family of five. And I don't know, you tell me, but is their loss lead to the fact that their, their, their prescriptions are cheap, but the rest of the stuff looks cheap and they do a very good job at making everything look on sale? It's like JB do. Yeah. Everything's got a, what looks like a sales ticket on it. Look, they do a very good of brand perception, but they also get incredible support from their suppliers for the oh, volume yeah. for the volume that they pump through. And as I've always reminded our listeners that unless they've got those operational efficiencies in their back end, they've got their volume that they can compete when negotiating with suppliers, that discount is just a street that they need to be running 100 miles away from. Yeah, well, okay, so therefore, the opposite of that to your second part of the question hmm. is if they've got to be running away from discount, and discount, you know, you can still discount, you can still have a loss leader, you know, and I'm sure you might have, have you covered that with your audience of the idea of... Yeah, look, certainly in terms of, you know, having things that get people through the door. Okay. But but I think the trap that most pharmacies have fallen into, and it may have been under the guidance of a lot of banner groups, is putting the wrong things as loss leaders. And that might be laundry detergent, tissues, toilet yep. paper, you know, things that really aren't, you know, really, you know, isolating the, the vision of why they're there in the first place and what health solutions they can really provide for their community. Mm. Mm. Correct. Okay, so you covered that off. So therefore, running away from Discount Street means that you've got to add value. Um, and I think in days gone by, years gone by, the pharmacist was the bloke or the lady that you went to to seek value in terms of opinion or discussion. You know, there's, there's that line between what the doctor tells you and what a pharmacist can tell you, I'm guessing. And then there's a whole lot of compliance issues that a pharmacist needs to adhere to so they don't cross the line and start to offer opinions that they shouldn't be offering. So I acknowledge all that, but I'm not going to, and I'll keep mm. that in mind as we, we talk further. But um, a pharmacist has got to add value, you know, it, it no longer. And that's one thing Chemist Warehouse don't do, you know, like there's almost like a policy of don't offer value, you know, mm. in terms of speaking to a pharmacist, you almost feel apologetic for uh getting their attention or finding someone on the floor is can be difficult. Yeah. Um, but it's like we have what what value can the chemist bring to the party these days that will make people will put them on the shopping list as opposed to going and seeking the cheapest product out there. And and that's hard because you know, I guess people also are going online as well. So, have you had that conversation on the show previously about online? Yeah, um, yeah look, pe- uh, people seeking seeking value from a chemist, whether it be well, via an online portal or face to face. Well, I think I think that covers off a, a lot of things that we do talk about in terms of where people are searching for information now, and that that customers are coming into pharmacies now armed with more information. And what they're actually looking for in a pharmacist now is not someone who can print off a health leaflet or a, um, a self-care card regarding a primary health care condition. Mm. It might be sun, sunburn or um, high blood pressure and so forth, but really have that trusted advisor who can filter that information and personalise it for them. Um, and I think, you know, that. and, and again, I don't want to make our conversation all about how do we compete with Chemist Warehouse, oh. but it's but it's really a case of 
each pharmacy trying to identify what their niche is and what their speciality is and really trying to discover who who they are uh, mm-hmm. because they have lost that identity and a lot of them do put up gift stands and hat stands and really fill their stores with all sorts of things trying to be retailers first because that's what they're being told that the dispensary income's on the decline so therefore you have to make more money in retail but they really don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd love to... You know, taking on your insights, Tim, because of so many different small businesses you've spoken to. But how how have you seen the best small businesses really understand? I guess who their best mates are, and really how how do they how have they become you know the most helpful business they could be? Well, your point your point about best mates, just getting clear, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, just getting clear on who. Who's that group of people that have the highest propensity to want to buy from you? And understand them intimately. So, like, I don't mean demographically. If you if the, if there's a pharmacist going, oh, well, it's the elderly. It's the elderly. They're the ones who buy from us. They're the ones who spend the most money with us. Well, tell us about the elderly because there is – what is elderly? Demographically, you know, is it 60, 70, 80, 90? Um, uh, but much more importantly, how do they think – about the service and the products that you sell, um, is it something they're excited by, confused by? Um, are they what you know? Is it something that they look forward? Do they look forward to coming to the chemist? Don't they look forward to coming to the chemist? Just understanding them at a psychological level. What keeps them up at night? What fears do they have about their health? Uh, and you know, those ty- if if we understand this at this depth about our best mates, then it can only lead to creating marketing messages that'll hit them between the eyes. Mm. And you know, that's. That's really powerful. So actually stopping and really thinking about our best mates is a powerful thing. And I sat through a presentation only last week where someone was talking about kind of this topic, but actually referring specifically to the elderly and, you know, the elderly, these, what is the elderly? You know, like, is that, is that a geriatric person or is that someone who, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago, we talk about an, an elderly person being 60. That's not the case anymore. 60s is the new 70s, 70s is the new 80, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, people are living longer and, and, and are up and about longer. So what, what kind of value and marketing messages do you create for these people that will engage them so that when it is time to go to a chemist, they'll come to yours? And, and um, so... To that point, I'm just sort of thinking about ideas there. Let's mm. say there is a pharmacist who has, well, whoever that audience is, whether it be elderly, singles, young families, get to know them. And and I can't think, I'm just going to get specific here, mm. Rob, because I've got to say, you know, like just before I give an idea, I, yep. I reckon it would be hard to market a chemist um, beyond what they're already doing, beyond the letterbox drops, the catalogues, the loss leaders, the... Um, having a website. I mean, people aren't going and looking for a chemist website. They know there's a chemist in their local uh, shopping centre. That's just a given. So, like, I get get it would be hard. But, you know, I live in a village where there is, let me just think, one, two, three, three chemists and a compound pharmacist. Yeah. So, therefore, and then I've got a chemist warehouse down the road. So, therefore, the choice is which one do I go to? And um, I quite like the idea of an information session. So, for example, where I live, there is quite a mix of, of different demographics, but there's a lot of young families coming in. 
and young families have bring a whole lot of questions that they have about raising their children and making sure their children are well and when they're sick, what do they need and all that. So as an idea, you could have a, one, one, one chemist could put their hand up and say, we are going to be the chemist, uh, and I live in Mount Eliza, or we are going to be the chemist in Mount Eliza that is the go-to place for all things well-being. And we're going to run an information session once every quarter where we might do it at the local school or the local community hall. And we're not going to, it's just not going to be us. We're going to be the host of it, but we're going to bring in a chiropractor, um, a GP, a physio, a masseuse, and we're going to have a discussion about well-being for young families. Right? No, absolutely, Timbo. And I guess it's just <clears throat> really connecting, you know, what are the biggest problems, but then building out that solution. And, you know, community pharmacies have always been that hub of really being able to know what the what the next steps are and having a lot of patients come in as their first point of call, seeing the pharmacist and the pharmacist can coordinate those referrals. But bringing that community together into one place um, really does help uh, because certainly patients, when they are on a healthcare journey between allied health and GPs, uh, it's a very time lengthy process. So to be able to get insights from all of those people, um, often people don't do it. It's just too much time and it's like, well, I'm getting good results out of seeing my doctor and perhaps maybe one other allied health but that might be it so really uncovering what the perfect solution is around yeah. a particular health solution is, is certainly going to be one of those things and I know I know you said that a lot it may be that a website may not be the key thing for pharmacies but you know from my research and what I've seen is that you know any pharmacy that has a website it's you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much just contact details. And, you know, we talk about a lot on this show in terms of being in the digital spaces as well as physical and trying to represent yourself best in digital environments um, and not trying to be different people in different spaces. And we've seen quite a few pharmacies try to go onto Facebook because they keep hearing, yes, it's a growing demographic. There are a lot of older people going in there. There's great social connectiveness around elderly being in the Facebook demographic because they can connect with their families and so forth but what they're doing is they're just shouting radio ads and they're just basically saying we've got this for a dollar 99 or we've got this for 5.99 so i I, didn't uh, let just qualify uh, i think every pharmacist should have a a website and i think they should have a good website and i think a good website means that it's full of helpful content and not just a brochure yeah um but i don't think it's a silver bullet and i i see you know like i talk a lot about the modern world of marketing and having a making sure your digital footprint is is optimized and that's beyond having a website that's social media that's your content that you're creating that's about getting yourself out there beyond your website online but i don't want them thinking from my point of view in this interview that you know like online's the silver bullet mm-hmm. i do think still that uh, the pharmacist is um, an anchor point the chemist is an anchor point in a community like the news agent like the milk bar, although they seem to be dying out, um, like the real estate agent. And, you know, to actually own that space, I think would be a really interesting thing to do. I, 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 this is a, you, I know you like to look outside of industries. Mm. I'll give you an example that frustrates the hell out of me is real estate agents. Now, real estate agents, they love their marketing and they love getting their personal brand out there. I've got 16 real estate agents in where I live are extraordinary like how competitive is that Mm. um and none of them 
and I don't see this in any suburbs, there's no one real estate agent putting their hand up and saying, hey, listen, if you're looking at moving into this community, then I am the go-to person for all things. Schools, clubs, homes, um, anything you need to know about living in Mount Eliza, for example, come to me. And owning that, owning that suburb, yeah. right? It's just like, to me, that's a no-brainer. So that when someone Googles what schools are there in Mount Eliza, the first thing that comes up is this real estate agent's website with a section on schools in Mount Eliza. And again, taking that idea and transferring it across to a chemist in the local area, I think is really interesting. That's not about owning the local area. It's about owning the wellness discussion or however you frame it in your local area. So when a young family is online searching or whatever, they're gonna, you, you, that chemist is going to come up. Yeah. Look, we talk we talk a lot about in pharmacies about signposting and, you know, when you do have someone come into the pharmacy, the recommendation that you may make for them is to actually go and see somewhere else and really trying to, within the pharmacy, create that directory of who are the helpful people that can get people the right result. And it may not mean that you're actually selling them anything, but you are acting very much as that community hub. And, mm. and, I, think, and I think that that's, you know, again, another really good strategy to, you know, get your pharmacy to stand out from the crowd because I think that's what that's what we're trying to get done with pharmacies are battling at the moment to stand out and you know outside of the discounters it really isn't a clear point of difference of a lot of them so again hopefully not putting you too much on the spot Timbo but where, where do you reckon you know it would be a good place to start we've, we've spoken obviously about doing events and obviously owning that space around understanding I guess the wellness around your area but Things that pharmacists, you know, who are listening now, who are poor on time, they don't want to spend a lot of money on marketing, although it should always be a percentage of their their sales. Um, what would be your advice to start on that journey? Uh, so, like, if I were a pharmacist, what would I do? Where would I start? Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea of again, people buy from people. So let's put technology aside for the moment, whether yep. technology be a website or social media or an ad on the radio, yep. and focus on your people. And you know, every now and then you do come across a business owner that does kind of float your boat, so to speak. You know, and I've come across pharmacists that were more accessible than others, and were you know, who looked you in the eye and gave you some good old customer service when you entered the store and were glad to see you. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm going to talk old school here, Rob, and just mm. say, let's get back to basics. An episode on my show that goes up on, or this, it doesn't matter, that goes up this week, next week, is about magic moments, about creating magic moments in your business, about under-promising and over-delivering, about surprising and delighting customers. And that doesn't cost anything, but just, and that could be as simple as looking someone in the eye and welcoming them, in, welcoming them into your store. It might be just making that shopping experience just that little bit more special. I think we've forgotten about that side of marketing a lot as we focus on all the modern stuff. So yeah. I'd make sure that my team were absolutely uh, in the zone. In fact, the guy I interviewed, Rob, uh, started the Video Easy franchise years and years ago. Okay. 
And he spent a lot of time on this exact marketing strategy, which was creating magic moments. And it wasn't just him and his marketing manager doing it. It was opening it up to the team and our team being the staff as to how they would do it. What magic moments, how can we surprise and delight customers was a, a question that would be asked once a week at the team meeting. And he'd have these team meetings in the middle of the video store while it was open. So customers were walking in and they were feeling a part of it and it was all a bit of fun and a bit of a laugh. But I, I just think that's an area of marketing we don't talk enough about anymore. And it actually saddened me as I was doing this interview thinking I, I, I found it hard to think of some magic moments in my life as a consumer, hmm. you know, let alone as a marketing guy that I could, that I could cite. So what magic moments could pharmacists offer? Get the team involved, get everyone on the same page, realize that they're not there to just, you know, be a shop assistant, reframe how everyone in that business, in that pharmacy business see them, sees themselves and really create something special. Because what I do know is that experience, it, it, I'll go back a step, in a world mm. of sameness, which is what we live, Product parity, service parity, is, is, everything's the same these days. The product pharmacist A sells is exactly the same as the product pharmacist B sells. Correct. So what's going to set us apart? And it is that, that personal experience that you have when you go into one of those two pharmacists. And that'll keep us coming back. It makes price less important and it builds a tribe. Absolutely, Timbo. And, you know, yes, uh, you know, fr from that perspective, it's, you know, it's incredibly important to recognize that people like to be delighted when they come in and they like to be surprised. And, you know, again, that's one of the one of the things we focus on becoming more operationally efficient because the pharmacy owners are wearing all of these hats and everything is preventing them from spending more engaging time with their patients. And we talk about even things right up to the breadths of pharmacy automation to really get the whole process down to a point where pharmacists are more accessible in that they're not having to spend time walking up to shelves and labelling boxes, that they're mm -hmm. actually giving people what they want. You know, I think the majority of our customers that come into the pharmacies, they're looking to talk to the pharmacist. They're not looking to talk to the 15 to 20-year-old pharmacy assistant for the majority of the time and for the pharmacist just to come down from the three three and a half foot or two and a half foot step in the dispensary <laughs> uh, just to hand out the prescription. You know, it, it, there's something wrong about that workflow. And, you know, I think that's where the, ma the magic sometimes comes in and that you can have a process that, really patients aren't accustomed to. They're accustomed to waiting long times. And, you know, we always question that. And I think that's where technology can make that process more efficient in pharmacies in that it can really cut away that time to really help you delight and create those magic moments. So I think that's a, that's a great thing. Um, and if, if obviously we can create those, I think patients talk about it. And I think marketing may be the best word of mouth strategy that they have when they do that. Well, word of mouth and word of mouse, because more and more, uh, and this goes across all demographics, everyone's online these days, when we have a good experience, we share it on Facebook, we share it on Twitter, or whatever our social media channel of choice is. And don't underestimate that. Uh, encourage people. If someone says... Loved, you know, thank you so much. You you really got us out of a bind with, you know, we were, you know, whatever the bind was that the pharmacist helped with. Ask them to share it on Facebook, hmm. for example. 
that's word of mouth. Yeah, look, absolutely. And and with that, Tim, what, what do you reckon is the best place for pharmacy owners to be setting up? Because a lot of them have always doubted whether they should have a Facebook page because someone might say something negative about them and how do they deal with that? But, you know, is it a, a Facebook page or is it a Google Plus local listing that's going to give them their best place to send people to to put those feedback ratings in? Yeah, look... Uh... There's not a straight answer there. I think you get you certainly get your Google local listing sorted. It's free. It's Google. It's the biggest search engine in the world. It must have some, and I say must because Google don't tell us what the algorithm um, includes, but we can have a guess. And you got to kind of, I always say, you got to pat the big the big G on the head. You yeah. know, you, you know, satisfy the monster. So certainly do that. Certainly, um, the more reviews you get, the more. Uh, information you populate your Google local listing with, the better, because it helps. See, Google just want relevant, helpful, unique information on a regular basis because Google want to be an interesting place for people to use. Uh, they want the internet to be an interesting place. The internet's interesting, more people use Google, and you, that's your contribution to that. So do that. Then the social media discussion Oh, a, I'm not the bloke. I'm not the marketing guy who says get on social media because hmm. I know it creates a lot of pain and anxiety for business owners. If you and and then I'll frame social media in the mind of the pharmacist, guys. It's just people having conversations online. That's all social media is. Yep. Yeah. There's weird terms like retweet and like and comment and post and whatever. Don't get bamboozled by that. No, it's just people having conversations online. Your customers are already having conversations online, right? They're, they're, they're doing it. That's what they do. Plus, they're already having conversations out in the street about you. Yep. So I would like to see them having conversations online about me because at least I can see it. And if they're saying something nice, I can thank them and contribute to it. And if they're saying something negative, at least I get to see it and read it and respond to it. Yeah. As opposed to if they're out in the street talking, I'm never going to find that out about that unless it comes back to me third hand. So I think the idea of being online on a social media channel is a good one for a pharmacist. But if you are going to do it, make it part of what you do on a daily basis. And I hate saying that, but that's yeah. the nature of social media. Don't let me go to your Facebook to see that it hasn't been updated for three weeks. Because that tells me that oh, you're out of business. If you close the doors, yeah. don't you care? So, um, you know, some things to consider. Well, that's, well, that's it, Tim. Like uh, back, back over the years through the 1900s, even the drug stores in America that were, you know, as, as most people may, may know that uh, the inventors of Coca-Cola and Pepsi and 7-Up were all chemists and it was because they were having soda fountains in their pharmacies and people came to the pharmacy for a social uh, event and they had mm. conversations around the soda fountain. What and, great old times. And, uh, you know, that's what social media is now, but... You know, the soda fountain's no longer in the pharmacy. It's on social media. And that's why I say that you have to have a voice in there. And uh, if you are going to have a voice in there, it's got to be relevant to your community. You know, if people came into the pharmacy, as I talk to a lot of pharmacy owners, are you going to be, you know, getting on the top of your soapbox and saying, we've got we've got um, <laughs> laundry detergent for $1.99? Or are you going to be talking to them about the fact that we've got extraordinarily high pollen counts at the moment and we've got a lot of people 
coming in with hay fever and we've got these five strategies that can help you. So it's, uh, it, it certainly changes the dynamic of everything. And, and Tim, I just wanted to put you on the spot if I haven't already enough times on this. <laughs> I do have a bad habit of doing that. Um, but if you could imagine like what was the, to be the biggest game-changing technology, and again, I guess that could be framed around any activity. It doesn't have to be marketing. That if time and resources were no barrier, what would you love to see in businesses or even next time you walk into your pharmacy? It's a big question. Uh, it's so dependent upon the pharmacist. Uh, game-changing te- technology. I'm a, I'm a marketing guy, so I have to answer from a marketing point of view. And um, you know, I'm so big on podcasting. I have been for five years, and I just see it as such early days. So I'm, I'm just then thinking, what what would a podcast? What would a pharmacist podcast about? And there's plenty of things, but it may just be a little bit too too scary, Rob. Um, <laughs> Game-changing technology. Um, I see technology that I think is a waste of time. I saw a fair bit in the States recently where you'd go into places and they'd ask you to rate your experience, you know, those little pads on the side of the counter. I saw them as a waste of time. Really? They're really going to kind of look at that information. Um, I'll just have to stick with podcasting, Rob. Yeah. It's not a technology. It's a a channel, but... um, it's, to me, it's, it's amazing that we can have our own show. Oh, um, absolutely. And, you know, look, obviously, you're the best advocate I can think of, and I've always tried to model a lot of what I do on, <laughs> on, on you, of course. Um, but, you know, look, as, as I've even spoken to a lot of pharmacy owners, I think podcasting's also, you know, I think they just think that it's technology, but it's a fancy word for a voice recording. And I've, I've often had those discussions with our, with our owners that, you know, they could just be recording something for five minutes and sharing it with their team, and that might be their first foray into doing it. And when they're comfortable with doing that, they may want to do the same thing for their patients. Well, again, I'm not sure of what compliance allows and disallows, but um, the pharmacist doesn't have to create it all themselves either. They've got a wealth of information amongst their patients and asking their patients for their views and opinions on certain things would be interesting in itself. Um, I'll have to put aside privacy, privacy rules and and the, the kind of things that you can offer up. But yep. it's, you know, like talking to a patient who's who's um, overcome eczema or chatting to a patient who suffers um, from hay fever and just getting their view on things and, and being responsible for starting that discussion. I'd listen to that. I yep. think that's really interesting, you know. And then to be able to, this is the power of content marketing and, and, and podcasting as an example. Then when a patient, a client comes in who also suffers from eczema, of course you provide them the service and the products and the advice that they've come to get. But then to be able to say, hey, listen, I can email you or you can go to my website, either or. I've got a little 10-minute discussion that I had with another client, another customer uh, who suffers from a similar condition I'll flick you the link. I mean, yep. that's, that's powerful. That positions you as an opinion leader. Yeah, and certainly much more powerful. And, you know, people could really connect to it more than just a health leaflet on the five things that most people do to treat eczema, for example. Yeah, um, correct. So, yeah, no, making it personal and, get it, and, you know, really highlighting those for the patients I think would be a great thing. Look, it's been great having you on, Timbo, and I think we've 
uncovered a lot of strategies, I think, that um, pharmacy owners can look at. I hope that the myth is starting to get squashed that you can't do it and it's too hard and it's too expensive. And uh, I think, uh, you know, if, if there's one other podcast show that I could recommend any any pharmacy owner listening, it would be Timbo's, uh, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. And uh, Timbo, I hope I can have you back on in the not-too-distant future. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. And if there's ever a pharmaceutical conference that needs a marketing speaker... Mate, count me in. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to continue the discussion with with your people. Absolutely, great. To Thanks, have you. Rob. Cheers. Well, I know we set a very difficult task of finding the biggest marketing opportunities in half an hour, and how they could be low cost, easy to understand, and more importantly, be able to implement straight away. So I certainly put Tim under a lot of pressure, but I managed to pull out some three fantastic learnings from that that I think that if we can take away these three things, we're well on our journey of becoming helpful pharmacies. The first one is, and we talked a little bit about Chemist Warehouse price strategy and how it's very easy for every Australian to understand, but every pharmacy needs to understand that we don't compete on price. It's expensive to do it, as we've spoken about on the technology aspects on this show, They've got sophisticated technology running their back end. They've got great volume discounts that they're getting from suppliers. You just can't do it. And you need to find the true purpose of your pharmacy. And the marketing component, once you can actually discover that process, and that we're going to talk about in that in, in learning number two, is now only hundreds of dollars and not tens of thousands of dollars. So anyone can do it. And that's really important for us to emphasize that once we understand what we want to convey to our community and what our community wants from us, then we've got the capability with technology, without technology, to be able to do that. And that's that learning number two of really understanding what your best mates are. And we spoke about best mates as in who are the typical patients that come into your pharmacy? What are their problems? What are they trying to get done? Why aren't they achieving their best health and what can we do to help them and what solutions are available? And for example, we spoke about creating an event that may be around a typical health solution that's very relevant to our communities and we bring together all of the health solutions in one place. It could be product, but it also could be leveraging the community hub position that we have, as we often are, the first healthcare professionals that patients come to see of getting the network of all the allied health and medical um, practitioners that actually can help our patients put together the best possible health solution and really start those conversations. It's always very difficult for our patients to get exposed to the ultimate solution around their particular health solution. It could be eczema or high blood pressure, or it might even be diabetic ulcers that may be prevalent in your community as well. But it may be very difficult for them to get to all of the different health professionals and bringing it into one place would be seen as so valuable. And then you stake your flag in the ground as the pharmacy that you come to when you need to know everything there is to know about a particular health solution, and particularly if that's relevant as well. And the third one is around creating magical moments. Now, that doesn't have to do with technology at all, but it's really trying to understand and surprise and delight our patients. And I guess to be able to do that, we need to leverage our positions away from our dispensaries, away from all of the accounting, HR, 
all the bookkeeping, all rosters, things like that that take us away from our patients or even just the workflow in our dispensary. And that's where it culminates, that by becoming operationally efficient, we give ourselves more time to spend with our patients and we need to use that time to surprise and delight them and create that fantastic moment where a patient's starting to see that their solutions that you're recommending are leading to sustainable good health and they're feeling better because you've made them feel that all you were ever going to do that day was to come and see them in your pharmacy as well. So you can do that and to be able to do that, you need to be able to also have a digital footprint where, as, as Tim was saying, people will tell other people by word of mouth, but also word of mouth as well. So making sure that your digital footprint matches your pharmacy physically as well, and it gets regularly updated as well. And there's no better place to start by that Google Plus Local, uh, which is a free and easy thing to set up. It'll come up on Google Maps and all the searches. Um, and it's a good place for people to put feedback as well. I know there's been a lot of misconception and a lot of discussion this year about what patients can and can't say about us um, without us having to ask them to pull it down. But if it's fairly generic and it's just relating to their experience rather than a specific pharmacist or a specific person, and it's really about what your pharmacy's done for them, I believe that's going to be quite fine. But we'll certainly check that out as we go through. And it could also mean um, that you use that to actually generate content as well. Um, would you believe your pharmacy could have a podcast show? It's certainly something that I was certainly exploring um, in our pharmacies. But certainly to be able to actually go down that pathway and actually interview maybe your patients um, and find out you know what you did or perhaps what their health journey led them to overcome eczema or overcome any chronic health condition that may be around and I think a lot of patients will find that incredibly valuable and again it just jumps out at you it's not a static piece of material that gets given to every patient like a CMI or a self-care card but it's something that they can you know, listen to and say, oh, look, that was great. It was good to see that whole journey of how she overcame that. And this is what she did. And, it, and, it's, and it's, again, just creating valuable content and showing you as an expert in problem solving and that you're already doing that in your community. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. We've been certainly spoiled today and I hope your notepad is full or as I hope your Evernote notebook may be full as well. We've got some great interviews coming up. I'll start to introduce you to some of the best options in the cloud accounting software space that will enable you to know your exact financial position anywhere, anytime. We've also got guests coming up to discuss how your pharmacy can get the maximum benefit from sending SMS prescription reminders and also leveraging some mobile app opportunities as well. Don't forget, leave a comment in the show notes. This is episode 34 at robertstar.com. There's nice space at the bottom. I read and respond to each one of them, and I certainly will pass on any questions to my guests on the show as well, including Timbo today. And if they're happy to respond to those, we'll make sure that they can do that in the show notes as well. I've also got an upcoming speaking engagement, speaking on the cloud for community pharmacy at the Bayside Medicare local. I've got the, the uh, link in the show notes there. So if you want to come along, it's a free event. There's going to be a little bit of food along in the morning. It'll be a great event as well. So please stay tuned for that. Have a great week, everyone. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.